0: that middle finger was like you're not my president you're awful and you're a misogynist and a racist Mm -hmm. i'm hyperventilating just thinking about how angry i get about this person (laughs) it was great for me to be able to kind of channel that energy into unseating somebody who supported him (laughs) uh, a biking group in dc gave me this set of bike pins that i could wear on my lapel i just kind of pointed to my pin and said well you might recognize that photograph, and I'm the person in that photograph, and uh, by one by 54%, we are one Mm. of the bellwether states for 2020, and, you know, we flip our state
1: blue. This is such exciting news. You know, I
2: read every day about people getting killed, and we have to like deal with the problems in road design and car design and driver behavior, tech use that are actually leading to this major upward swing in people dying, so I'm pissed. Most of this stuff that people think is wrong
3: with transit in LA is emanating from cultural impulses. It doesn't act like a car, so therefore it doesn't work.
1: All right, all right. This is Bike Talk on KPFK. We're excited today. We got an international celebrity. Celebrity. Political celebrity. Icon. A literal icon. Yeah, literally. Um, a woman, Julie Briskman. People out there have probably seen the photo of a woman on a, on a bicycle flipping off the Trump motorcade. Yep. Bye. Which is hilarious. And I guess the press caught it. It wasn't uh, opposed. She was just doing it. She's like, screw this guy. Yeah, this was totally raw. I love that. It wasn't something set up. She flips the guy off, flips off the whole motorcade. We're going to get her whole story from her, but basically the short story is she got fired from her job because I guess they they hold some kind of government contract or something like that. Then she ran for county supervisor, we're going to talk to her. We're going to get the lowdown, and uh, we've got Peter Flax back. Peter's always great to have on because he's such an articulate,
4: passionate guy. Yeah, and he was the editor of Bicycling Magazine.
1: Yeah, so he's got a lot of history. It's good to see you, Nick. Thanks, man. Good yeah. To see you. Yeah, your, you're your
4: daddy. Give us some uh, This American Bike. My wife and I were biking to this cafe. It's only a few blocks with our 15-month-old Penelope. Oh. But I put her in the forward-facing seat. Okay. Tiny little helmet. Cute. A little reflective vest. We're, we're biking along in a little me in the front and Julie in the back. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Penelope's on my bike. So this white car is right up against Julie, making <sighs> her feel like you know she's going too slow. You and know, when's ahead of you or behind you? Behind. Okay. This driver had, how am I driving on the back? Julie memorized the number. And oh my God. Called him, told him how he was driving. Yeah. But he passed her. And then this guy in a Tesla was menacing her, you know, Another driving too Another car menacing her. Yeah. And, okay. you know, the thing about this street was it had that empty, like, yellow lane in the middle that either of them The middle turn lane. Yeah. yeah.
1: They could just merge over into the middle turn lane a little bit past mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. You're a family. Right. You got a kid. Yep. It's a Sunday? Yep. A Sunday. Sunday, Saturday. I forget. Saturday. It's a weekend. There's no rush. And they're squeezing you. Then what happens? There's a guy in a Tesla? Tesla. So it was a really quiet car, huh? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I've had a Tesla, a white Tesla. In fact, I know a couple of people on Sunset Boulevard. This guy likes to buzz cyclists with his car because it's so quiet and it surprises you.
4: You've had multiple encounters with the same character? I've had one
1: encounter with him, but I've talked about it on social media. And people that live along Sunset, that ride Sunset, also spoke up and said, oh, yeah, I've been buzzed by that guy. So he's doing it
4: to screw with cyclists. Anyway, this guy is passing you. And what happens? He slows down in front of Julie. And now, actually, Julie was in front of me. He rolls down his window and he says, share the road. Uh And Julie says... Pull the F over. I'm going to slap you in the face. Oh, my God. What? Well, okay. And you're like the guy holding the... Child. Oh, uh, okay. So he didn't. I guess that's all for the best. Okay. And we went and we had our breakfast and...
1: Did he say anything?
4: No, he kept going.
1: Really? Yeah. That's interesting. So <laughs> that could have gone a different way, of Absolutely. course. I and guess she
4: has a good sense of who to say that to. I,
1: you know, there is a lot of road rage out there mm-hmm. in between drivers. I even had a road rage incident just this week. It's not just drivers against cyclists. It's like everybody against everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, except maybe cyclists versus cyclists. I always smile and ring my bell. <laughs> drivers, everybody out there is just like so, mm, like mean spirited and aggressive, yeah. right? It's is the it, dinosaur fuel. Is it the fumes getting to people's heads? But this guy had a, a Tesla. It's, oh yeah, but the electricity is probably coming it's, from dinosaur fuel. It's the road rage is coming from that. As great as the car is and convenient it is, it's not always the best solution and you want to do something else and you can't because this city doesn't build anything or it hasn't for a long time it's starting to build stuff but it's just way late like we should have built this stuff 30 years ago. we should have kept maintaining our red car line and uh, we didn't we destroyed it all now we're like realizing oh god everybody's driving everywhere for everything and uh, it's just not sustainable Nobody has road
4: rage on the bus
1: a lot of things happen on the bus. There's crazy Not shit that happens yeah, on there the is bus. A lot of, there is. Yeah. And on the subway. But this is LA. This it's a big city. There's always gonna be crazy stuff. There's a lot I think there's a lot less crazy stuff happening in this city compared to like other cities out there that I'm I'm reading about mostly East coast, I guess. Yeah. So, okay.
4: So the road rage though, like I, I think there is something about cars and rage and I'm wondering if it has to do with the multiplier effect, your own natural power is magnified. It's like however many horsepower and a horse has however many human powers. It's like, (laughs) you've got an army.
1: Yeah, you are... You're like, how dare you? You are made more powerful by this machine.
4: Also, it's like you're in your living room. It's like you've got your cup holder. You've got your entertainment system. You're getting carted around by a
1: love seat. You're in this metal bubble and you feel less vulnerable too. Mm -hmm. And then it's like Julie immediately (laughs) said something crazy. Like, aggressive. Because she felt threatened and she had her baby. Yes, I've done that. I've totally done that and ended up getting in a fist fight. Other times, they run away because they're scared. I've switched my tune up years ago, actually, where I realized, you know what, this isn't productive. Mainly because I was 50-50. one time, this guy punched me in the face and... I totally got surprised. I swung out and missed. It was just,
4: like, embarrassing, right? You figure as a cyclist, you're going to win because you're using your body. Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't think that's true. I think, like, they're relaxed. You've been using all your... Um, It depends. Like, this guy,
1: he was younger than me, and he was fit. He was a dude that could fight. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, all right, this actually is going to (laughs) happen. And, uh, yeah, but... um, We'll forget about those instances, but the, the thing that I learned is like you never know, man. You never know what you read about people you know, having a pipe in their car. You know they're not. This is the a streets, lot of people man. Have, nope. have
4: some. What kind of weapon?
1: If you're playing fair, you're gonna lose, yeah. and that's what everybody's thinking. So you never know what you're gonna get into, so don't do that. Well, I, I agree. I have come to the conclusion that I want it to be a teachable moment while I'm still being aggressive about it. If they're going to do something threatening to me, I'm going to definitely talk to them and just be like, hey, man. Right. Instead of coming at them aggressive, though, I'll just be like, dude, you're passing me close. I'm a human being. I'm just trying to get where I'm going, man. We both ended up at this red light and I'm talking to you right now because there's a red light here. It's not like you were going any faster than I am. We're both going somewhere. Let's just relax, bro. Just give me some space. Three feet and hopefully a lot of times it has worked you know i've even been buzzed by a motorcycle rider once and i caught him at you always catch him because Mm -hmm. they're just speeding to a red light Mm -hmm. i caught him the way that i put it was i wanted to make him feel like a dummy i'm like hey man you passed me really close and he's like i didn't see you and Mm -hmm. i was like dude well you're gonna kill yourself if you don't pay attention to what's on the road i was there i'm taking the lane give me some space yeah he sort of like understood that I told him he was a dumbass for not looking in front of him or really he did. He just wanted to buzz me and he was being cowardly and sort of making an excuse. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm trying to find a way to get a light bulb to turn on rather than making it aggressive. If somebody says, screw you, you know, like their takeaway is, oh, that's cyclist. They're angry. I hate cyclists. Get mm-hmm. out of the way. Yeah. Is it possible to turn on a light bulb in their head? That's what I want. I failed at that the other week, you know, your life is being threatened. It's hard to just be calm about well, it. well
4: if you kn- if you know what to say you're ready to say it i mean was it mike tyson though said uh, everybody has a strategy until they get punched in the nose
1: yeah that's how you gain an advantage in a street fight you got to punch fast and immediately if you're going to do it but uh you know you don't want that versus somebody in a car because i even saw on social media a guy say this they can just run you over and play stupid when the cops come. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see him. And the cops will accept that mm-hmm. and let the driver go. And he may have killed you on purpose. Little, you know, little road rage. You go too far because you're very emotional and you kill somebody. They can play stupid very easily and the cops will let him go. Speaking of that, though.
4: <laughs> road rage?
1: Road rage. Flipping the middle finger at drivers.
4: Yeah. What about that?
1: <laughs> You know, our next guest, I'm really excited. It's Julie Briskman. She just won an election. What we're going to do is get her on the phone. So give us a little minute here. We're going to take a pause, get her on the phone, and we'll be right back. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Okay. We're back. We have with us on the phone Julie Briskman. Hi, how are you? You know, thank you so much for taking this call. You're an international celebrity, right? Like you've probably heard from media all over the world.
4: Viral superstar. Yeah. Internet.
0: I have. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's been a little crazy.
1: (laughs) Has it? Okay. Take us through this a little bit. You know, for our listeners out there, Julie is the one that was photographed. I'm sure a lot of you have seen her. She was photographed. Giving the middle finger to the Trump motorcade. Yeah, and this was in Virginia, was it, or nearby, or yep. where was that? Oh, in Virginia, okay. it's in
0: Virginia. It's um, he has a golf course um, outside of DC called Trump National. Okay, uh, and it's in Loudoun County, Virginia. So we are, um, you know, like a suburb of DC. A lot of folks commute into DC from where I live.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, we were kind of looking at the map of your district and trying to kind of figure out what's going on over there, because what happened with you next is apparently you lost your job, right, for giving Trump the middle finger?
0: I did. Um, The photograph went viral, um, and uh, my employer was not happy with that, and uh, they fired me a couple days later, forced me to resign, really, and um, basically said they couldn't have someone like me on staff who had that attitude toward the Administration. I worked for a federal government contractor.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. so you were kind <laughs> of raising make it right, though. <laughs> right. Well, you okay, that's another issue, too, right? You you being fired for that seems like you could take that to court or something.
0: We did. Um, I sued them for violating my First Amendment rights under Virginia public policy. Okay. Um, and uh, it, it got to the point where we would have had to have gone to the state Supreme Court. And I just didn't want that hanging over my head uh, while I ran for office. So um, I dropped that part of the suit and we settled on my severance. Virginia is a right to work state. So it wasn't a really friendly
1: um, state to have that kind of a lawsuit. Yeah, I think we have that kind of situation here in California, too. So you were giving Trump the middle finger. Um, I mean, you were riding a bicycle, you know, but you weren't necessarily giving a, a finger for that. Your issues that I've read, you were protesting all of the, the terrible things that he's already done, which is like DACA, the Charlottesville incident, his response to that, lack of support for Puerto Rico, and he's trying to repeal Obamacare. Those are issues that so many
4: people that you've mentioned about. in yeah. other interviews. Yeah.
0: The hateful rhetoric and just the... The horrific idea that we had, um, you know, it admitted sexual assault or assaulter in in the White House. And he was golfing again when we had so many issues that needed attention at the national and even international level.
1: So that's amazing. I mean, people shared that image far and wide. When did you decide that you wanted to run for county supervisor, right, of Loudoun? Loudoun Loudoun
0: County. So Virginia has been changing uh, from, you know, it was really red when I first moved here about 20 years ago. And it's been, you know, slowly going to purple. And we were on the verge of really um, turning the entire state blue. Um, Jennifer Wexton unseated a Republican in the 2018, you know, congressional elections.
2: Okay. And um,
0: I worked for her campaign, I, I volunteered at her campaign a lot, and it was sort of about August before that November election, so it was about August 2018, um, I did decide to run. I had been asked pretty early by the highest elected official in Loudoun County, um, right. but I just wanted to do some due diligence to see, you know, if it, it was something, you know, that was suitable to my personality, my skills, and my experience.
1: Right. And,
0: um yeah, and I wanted to see what happens in campaigns, and I learned a lot working on Jennifer Wex's campaign, for sure.
1: This was after the photograph, yes? Or before? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No,
0: it was after. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the day I was fired, I knew I was going to do something. I wasn't going to be silent. Yes. I just wasn't quite sure what it was going to be. Yes. I, mean, I immediately signed up to work the polls in our statewide um, and then got involved in campaigns pretty quickly and activist groups like Moms Demand Action and some of the women's groups here locally.
1: Now, how do you feel in terms of, uh, you know, transportation policy? And, you know, now that you're a county supervisor, you're going to to have a lot of influence over that. You're going to make a lot of decisions about transportation within Loudoun County. I I looked at the map. It looks like Leesburg is kind of the maybe the bigger town in the county.
0: Yeah, Leesburg's, you know, where the headquarters is for the county. It's where our county buildings are. It's a very, very old city. And uh, it's kind of west. Of where I live. I live on the eastern line with Fairfax County, but we have grown from 90,000 people to over 400,000 people since I've lived here. So we are in desperate need of multimodal forms of transportation buses, bike paths, uh, hiking trails, carpooling, and we have a metro coming also uh, to our county. We're going to have three stops. Oh, cool. um, Of metro. Yeah, coming to our uh, county.
1: It'll go to D.C. That metro goes to D.C. Yeah. And also Baltimore, right? That's also a close city. Would you have transit going there, or is there any plans for that? Uh,
0: Right now, you'd have to go into D.C. and back out, and I don't know that the D.C. metro goes all the way to to Baltimore yet. There's an East Coast train, but it's not metro.
1: These cities are uh, about 50 miles apart, so that's that's Mm -hmm. considerable distance. That would be something like a metro link in terms of Los Angeles. Um, like a Metrolink service. So,
4: interesting. Uh, so the, the Board yeah. of Supervisors here in L.A., they have control over our public transportation. Is it the same?
0: Yeah, it would be. Like, we do have some a, a bus system that needs to be a lot better, to tell you the truth. Um, part of my research for uh, during the campaign was to look into things that are in our transportation plan that, that haven't been funded. Um, and a lot of it is buses. A lot of it is connectivity of sidewalks and bike paths. Mm. Um, we also have what's called an Emerald uh, Ribbons Initiative in our county, where we're going to work toward connecting all the bike paths and walkways, hiking trails, and even some of our waterways, so somebody could actually get around the county without having to like put their bike on their car. Oh, um, and I'm a I'm a big proponent of that. We have what's called the WOD Trail. I don't know if you saw that on the map. Um, uh, no, no, we were it,
1: looking for some rails to trails or something like that. Yep, is that what exactly. that is? Yeah, okay. Cool. That's exactly,
0: exactly what that is, um, and uh, it's just a couple miles from where I live, a couple miles from my district. But we have to put our bikes on our cars to get there. Really? Um, which I think is yeah, which I think is ridiculous. So we really need to. And I'm also co-founder of a local running club, um, and so just finding safe routes for us to run on Saturday mornings and Wednesday nights and those sorts of things has been a challenge. And again, when I looked in our transfer. Transportation plan and saw these you know sidewalks and bus routes and those things like that that haven't been funded and haven't been fought for by my opponent um i started to get you know outraged mm. all over again
1: mm. <laughs> mm. i love it so that was that yeah. was one of your campaign issues was transportation yeah
0: absolutely yeah and we have a huge traffic issue in 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 oh. uh in our county as well, everyone trying to get to DC. Right, like so suburbs are familiar with traffic problems
1: too. Yeah, that's. I mean, that is the result of single-family housing zoning, that puts everybody very spread out, and they have to drive everywhere for everything, and uh, that's what causes traffic. Is like a lot. A lot of the contributor to that is, you know, single-family zoning that's away from jobs, and everybody has to drive. And that seems yes, a lot. That's Loudon County. <laughs> yeah, that's. I was looking at some of the other areas, and that looked very much to be the case. That's why I kind of zoned in on uh, Leesburg. Um, so that's promising. So the the board. What's the board makeup? How, you know, what what are we looking at in terms of balance of power?
4: Republican. So
0: we flipped. Yeah, we flipped our board. It was um, six three um, GOP controlled, and now it's six three Democratic.
1: Controlled. Wow, amazing! Six three yeah. Democratic controlled. Yeah, I wish we had a little yeah. audience <laughs> audience clapping sample. Where is this? I'm not on top of it. Um, that's amazing. Okay, so that looks promising. You know, in terms of all the issues, but especially you know our passion here at Bike Talk is development bikes you know, transportation systems, all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. but um, that's exciting. So, you know, that's good news. We did see that uh, Trump, I don't know if you you were aware of this, but there was a news item in Streets Blog about the Trump administration moving uh, high, uh, multimodal money to... Transit uh, money. It's moving transit money to highway money to roads, yeah, yeah, to roads um,
4: federally. <sighs> you know, seventy the- <laughs> you- percent. It was something like that. Seventy that- percent of Seriously? money for.
0: I didn't see that. You just can't keep up with all the bad. <laughs> right. With all I mean, the awful. I mean,
1: <laughs> it's just so expected that he's going to do the worst in every category yeah. when it comes to the perspective of you know humans that. Want to see a peaceful, wonderful world.
4: Hey, Julie, I was going to ask you, if you were to put that middle finger into words, what would the words be?
0: Oh, that's so interesting. I don't know if I can say that on the radio.
4: We'll bleep it. Yeah, we'll bleep it. Or
1: I'll, I'll just say the...
0: <laughs> 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 no, I mean, that middle finger was like, you're not my president. And
1: wow.
0: You're awful and wow. you're, you know, a misogynist and a racist. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I'm I'm hyperventilating just thinking about how angry I get about yeah, this person. Sorry. But I yeah. uh, you know, I was able to channel it, right? Because the person I unseated was an eight year, you know, Trump supporting um oh. Tea Party conservative. She held a rally in twenty sixteen or was, you know, speaking at a rally in twenty sixteen for Pence and Trump. Ugh. Um she's a cli- climate denier. Uh, so, you know, that the former board didn't sign on to the Chesapeake Bay Preservation Act. Um, and we have the, you know, Potomac River that borders our County to the North. So, uh, you know, it was, well, it was great for me to be able to kind of channel that energy into unseating somebody who supported him.
1: <laughs> so what's the term length of, of your seat? How many, how many years do we get to, to have you? before you have to start working for a re-election?
0: Uh, luckily, four years because, oh. um, yeah, I'm so happy it's four years because, you know, I've obviously never held elected office before, so um, I'm really glad that I have some time to put my head down and learn a lot um, before I have to turn around and run for re-election. Um, you know, folks, our state legislature, they have to run every two years. We finally did flip that this year, too. Um, And, you know, like Jennifer Wexton, my friend, has to run every two years for Congress, and I just don't know how they do it. (laughs) It was so much work.
4: (laughs) Yeah, how'd you do it? I mean, was it, it, what was it? I know you talked in other interviews about what it was like to campaign, and you had a, I remember you had a bike pin. I did. A A biking
0: group in D.C. uh, came to one of my fundraisers, a representative, and they gave me this set of pins bike pins that I could wear on my lapel, um, you know, maybe like two inches by two inches, something like that, and in all different colors, so I would match it to my outfit when I went out to knock doors, Um, and, you know, I didn't lead with my, with my flip and my bicycle uh, incident, but a lot of people recognized me, and then also, if they started talking about, um, you know, I always loved with the issues in the county, but if they started talking about the administration, I just kind of pointed to my pen and said, well, you might recognize, you know, that, that photograph and I'm the person in that photograph and uh, I want to be your representative. Right <laughs> so on. It, was, it made for, it made for a lot of laughs on the door. Uh, it made, you know, for a little bit of a deeper conversation as well. And um, you know, most people were very, very supportive and in agreement. Obviously my district backed me up. I won by 54%. So you know they they agree with me, and Loudoun County has soundly rejected the Trump agenda as well as did Virginia. In my opinion, um, you know we we are kind of the bellwether state, mm-hmm. one of the bellwether states for 2020, and uh, we flipped our you know we flipped our state blue. Oh
1: my it's God! So this is such exciting news. Usually, it is. Uh, <laughs> just I can't I can't anymore. I don't know. It's just always <laughs> you following
4: you following the hearings, of course.
1: Uh, I, oh
0: yes. Mm-hmm.
4: i
1: haven't been following i suck i can't i can't do it anymore i just try not that's to hear okay. his name that's all
4: and well we're not doing a very good job i know it's, um. <laughs> <laughs> well so yeah
1: <laughs> y- you know um next you know what's what's the plan for the first 100 days and then your four-year plan You know, give us a, give us a overview and, you know, I'm really appreciate you taking your time for, uh, talking with us. Um, you know, we, we'd love to have you on for as long as you like, but we also know that you're a busy woman who, um, just won an incredible election. So a hundred, what are we thinking for a hundred days? What are we thinking for the, the four year plan? Give us a a brief overview.
0: Yeah. Um, so we, uh, you know, we have an issue with funding our schools um, in the county, especially with, with the board that, you know, basically GOP didn't want to, you know, fund services in general, right? Um, so one of the biggest things that we want to do that, uh, when we get in there is um, fund our schools so that mm-hmm. our teachers can, you know, maybe get paid enough to live in the county where they work um, so the students have the resources that they need to be successful, Um, You know, our school funding, the board basically only in election years in the last eight years has funded what the school board has wanted. Um, So we're looking forward to being able to do that. We just passed our comprehensive plan, which the boards haven't done in 18 years. Uh, And our comprehensive plan is an overall land use document. So the first thing we do when we go in is work on our unmet housing needs strategy. Um, So that's going to be a huge thing with all the zoning for that. Um, women's issues are huge for me. I'm a single mom and, uh, 70% of the women in my district are part of the labor force. So we're going to have a big push in Virginia to pass, uh, to ratify the ERA. Hmm. Um, and then oh, our energy wow. plan yeah, right. in the that's County right. hasn't been looked at in 10 years. So that's one of my big agenda items is the energy plan.
1: That's right. Virginia just became, what is it? The 39th state required to ratify the, the equal rights amendment. Is that was that Virginia that sh- we heard about or was it?
0: No, we we are on the we've been on the bubble for a while now to get a thirty eighth state. uh uh-huh. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Virginia we we've tried really hard the last year and didn't it didn't pass um, in Richmond. Okay. So now that we flipped the state legislature, we're hoping to be that magical thirty eighth state. What happened, right, I think right. you may be referring to is I think they extended the deadline, maybe the federal deadline, or they're working on that. Somebody wrote a bill to extend that.
1: Okay, so, so it's that, still
0: possible. so that once it's th- w- yeah once we get the 38 state ratification, it can go through pretty quickly. Oh.
4: What what is love the love magic it. of 38?
0: Um, that's a good question. Maybe it's two thirds. Um, I would have to go back and do the research of that. But yeah, yeah you need 38 states to ratify any am- amendment to the Constitution. Wow, and then it's going to be. I think in.
1: it's actually three quarters, but maybe two. Is it three quarters? Okay, it's really <laughs> hard to do. So this is monumental. Oh wow. So this is it great. Is, yeah. You're part of that wave.
0: I am. I can't be more excited about it. Uh, it's just. Uh, I'm excited
1: too. I'm gonna. I'm gonna add Leesburg to like my weather map <laughs> app or something, and just pretend like I'm there. <laughs> um, it's kind of weird, I guess. Uh, so then, the, <laughs> the and and you know, you're singing the right song on so many issues. I just love it. I love it so. Uh, from the west coast to the east coast we're sending you all the positive energy and love we we really thank you the, mm-hmm. los angeles is such a crazy town for politics but we've the bike lobby here and is biking. strong it's strong we we have a seat at the table you know it's you know we do have a seat at the table begrudgingly they dragged a chair from the next room or something <laughs> and put us there and they're like all right you got a seat at the table and we've gotten a lot of things done here yeah yeah i have
0: some guys in mind that i want to have seats at the table here in loudon county to to help with those sorts of things too so it's going to be exciting
1: oh we're so excited for you we'll watch this and we'd love to have you back on the show sometime for some updates in you know the utopia that you're going to create out there that we (laughs) wish for here (laughs) I'm just yeah. saying. that'd be no, great no pressure um awesome <laughs> right <Thank you. laughs> yeah well thanks julie yeah thank you julie We really appreciate you coming No on. problem. and congratulations and like i said all the positive energy flowing to you across the united states of america and ride right, safe thanks so much yeah ride safe <laughs> take care
0: bye-bye bye
1: all right wow that, was, <laughs> that was fun. You're st- Hey, you're still there. Still here. Um, we're still home no, no, hang hang <laughs> oh, no, so on. No, I mean, we really don't want you to hang up. We want you to stay <laughs> with us for as long as you want. But uh, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Take care, Julie. See you. Bye. Bye.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, there's a the little. Nice tone. tone. We got a caller. Yeah, what happened? Um, The phone rang and I think it worked. So, you know, we'll tap him in in a second here. It's my my good old pal. Carlos, Carlos Morales. Morales.
4: How did you know? Uh, he asked me what the number was. He texted.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
4: <laughs> oh, yeah, the number.
1: 818-985-5903. That's it. You can call in as soon as uh, Carlos hangs up because this studio is so outdated. We don't have multiple lines here, right? Yeah. Or what? Okay. Let's get Carlos on. I'm I'm going to tap him in here, hopefully. Carlos, are you there?
5: Uh, yes, I am. Hey, guys. Great hey, Carlos. on the show
1: Thanks. How's it going, man? Did you did you uh, catch the uh, interview with Julie Briskman, who's now yeah, a county I supervisor?
5: It. It, it was amazing, pretty exciting. Uh, great job on actually getting her on the line, and hope hopefully you get her to chime in in, in the in the future as well.
1: Yeah, we want to have her back because yeah, Cause he, just cause like you can get a lot done in a small town like that, you know. No. In Los Angeles, it takes forever to get a freaking pothole filled. But over there, there's what she said. There was four hundred thousand people in the district. Yeah. That's that's small. You can get a lot of things done. So we're excited. Yeah. I'm sure. You know, anybody hearing this out there, you know, her, this is exciting stuff. So, what do you? What's on your mind, Carlos? You're giving us a call here. What's going on?
5: Well, actually, I, w- I just wanted to uh, tap and follow up on, on on what she accomplished over there. Okay, and i know we have lots of us here have um you know when it when it comes down to it we do a, a bike the vote campaign and we try to uh get the uh, coalitions and uh grassroots organizations to try to talk to the candidates that are that are up and coming and it's something that uh you know uh i feel uh, rejuvenated hearing what she accomplished over there and it's pretty it's pretty exciting and Hopefully, the that m- m- momentum would actually mm-hmm. catch here in Los Angeles again, and mm-hmm. and give us that uh, that spark that we that we need to get things going and and really uh, start screening the the uh, uh, candidates and not let what Sadio did to the people Just uh, let that happen again. Okay, the so
1: Trump of uh, the, tr- the Trump of Los city Angeles. planning, yeah, the Trump of city planning. Although he does. I gotta give him credit. I mean, he does do good things in other realms. But when it comes to transportation, this is this is this is the big problem. Is that transportation really isn't a a partisan? It's it's not a partisan issue. Like the lines blur. Like there's a lot of Republican support for safe streets, and there's a lot of Democratic rep- support for safe streets. But this the opposite is true as well. There's a lot of Republican. Who people who are against safe streets and Democrats, you know what? What
4: are you doing, Carlos? Like who who are you supporting for bike to well, vote?
5: You know I, I honestly haven't paid attention to be honest with you. What's going on um, over over there in, in the LA area since I spend most of my time right now in the, in the San Gabriel Valley in Azusa. Loc- locally, we have uh, two candidates that are running for uh, city council. And I'm talking. Uh, I mean, actually, we have three or four of them. I'm talking to two of them already.
1: Okay, and good.
5: And, and uh, just trying to keep Great. that dialogue going, op- op- open it up, and, and just fill them out. What's the um, outlook
1: in your area in San Gabriel? It's you know, I've seen positive things happening, right?
5: Yeah, there there is, and um, I mean, the group that we got over here, and which you guys are well aware of them, it's a uh, Bike SGV. Or now they're called Active SGV. With done, Andrew. Yes, yeah. Andrew and uh, Wesley.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all, that's good. All, all
5: that group. Yeah. They're a chapter I
1: mean, of the LACBC, right, or something like that?
5: I think they broke away from them.
1: Oh, did they? Uh, that's, I what, thought, um, I so. that's what our, That's what Alexander Tots said, that, that his group sort of broke away from LACBC. I guess LACBC is having problems with yeah, funding you know, I'm so very,
5: well you know what a, a funding and then there's i think i mean what i i have seen with be, you know being far away i really haven't seen la cbc do what they're what they're supposed to be doing and yeah okay basically fighting for our our rights and they kind of Sometimes when it,
1: when it, sometimes they're seen as more cordial than the rest of us middle finger raising cyclists <laughs> would want from them. But, I you know, I got to give them credit because they do like the relationships with the politicians that the activists on the ground. Carlos, you're one of them th- that raise a middle finger are not necessarily going to get in on this conversation. So that's fine. But but yeah. we need both elements. We need the middle finger. And then we need yeah. the, the political action. And that's what the beauty of the story of Julie Briskman is. Carlos, thanks for calling thanks. in, man. We're going to get Thank Peter you. Flax on the line. Stan's uh, Bike Shop. Give us some info. Where, where can we follow?
5: Stan's Bike Shop. We're in Susa, California. Now, th- this is
1: your bike shop, right?
5: Yeah, correct. I'm located 200 feet from the Metro Gold Line station. Oh, that's... That makes it, I mean, convenient. That makes it lot. the
1: true gold line. There's going to be a lot of customers there, right? Yeah. That's a good spot
5: yeah it is yeah so uh you know what guys we want our bike
1: shops to survive we want our yeah. bike shops to do good yes, do. so
5: yes we do all right thank you, thank you for everything guys all right Keep take
1: care thank man you, good talking right.
5: Right.
1: bye okay now we're gonna get peter flax on the line and uh let's just call him hopefully he's not gonna let's see. We'll just get him right here hey. peter you're on the air you are articulate passionate and you're prolific. So, you know, everybody out there, this is Peter Flax. And he's a journalist. And he was the editor of uh, Bicycling Magazine. And That's he right. writes about stuff that we care about. And he's very passionate. And he has the right point of view for safe streets. I saw that you had a couple articles this week. Tell us about them. The first one was... Uh, the one about the NTSB, and it was titled, It's on You to Stop Getting Hit by Drivers.
2: Yeah, so uh, both stories in one way or another have to do with this NTSB report, um, which if you don't remember the acronym, is the agency that typically, like, investigates uh, plane crashes for the first time in, like, 40 years, decided to do a large analysis on bike safety. And two of the three main points that they focused on were cyclists wearing helmets and ideas to make cyclists more conspicuous. And, you know, I think that it's pretty typical, you know, of how a lot of lay people think about bike safety and, you know, they wind up just sort of thrusting the agency of the problem onto the the victims of the problem. And so, you know, the essay was just really about how, um, these bureaucrats and, and so-called researchers are just um, you know not really talking to cyclists and thinking deeply about um, you know the actual systemic problems and the people that are killing bike riders, right? And so I definitely had you know, the first one was kind of a hot take, just ranting about it. and then the second piece was a more reasoned look of exactly why, there's been a precipitous spike in cyclists dying since around 2011. You know, for the first half of this millennium, fewer and fewer people were dying every year. And since 2011, it's just been going up every every year. Huh.
1: And it's up to, last year was 857 cyclists killed nationally. Yeah, it's a
2: huge number.
1: That's a huge it's like number. Like the largest since yeah. the early 70s. Wow. Now, you know, upwards of 40,000 people get killed on our roads. It's crazy that we tolerate this, but somehow we do. And then I think somebody would just be like, oh, you know, 40,000 people die. What's 857 people? That's literally the attitude of a lot of people about this. And it's just like, okay, but 40,000 people died. If all of those people are made safe somehow, cyclists would be safe too. We're, we can all join in on this, right? There's got to be some way to message right. the opposition about this, which was kind yeah. of your panel talk, right, over at the Bike Summit? You right. guys were talking about yeah, communicating the with ma- the, o- the
2: messaging is tricky, though, because it's like just since the NTSB released its report, you know, I've seen a lot of big city mayors and really major newspapers Jumping into the issue, and th- they just sort of glance and think like, "Oh, this well-respected federal agency that um, you know is interested in safety—you know, the big taker." It was like, "Wow, we really have to get more cyclists to wear helmets." And and so it's like so much bandwidth now for years is going to have to be expended to combat that that sort of windshield bias kind of kind of reporting. And, right. Um, you know, because people like go like, oh well that's like the FDA saying that sugar's bad for you. It's like this big federal agency just said everyone needs to wear a bike helmet. But the the federal agency said nothing about, you know, the rise of distracted driving and the, the explosion and how many people have, you know, three ton SUVs and you, you know, the, the amount of miles driven in the US skyrocketing. There's all these other big factors going on that are the reasons why more and more cyclists are actually getting killed.
4: This agency, NTSB, I'm not super familiar with that
2: agency. It's generally, its purview is mostly about aviation, that they're definitely like, anytime a plane crashes and they find the black box and someone's got to reconstruct what happened, it's the NTSB that issues the definitive report, and most of the top bureaucrats in the NTSB are former airline safety people and so it's really out of their wheelhouse to start looking at, at at a you know a vertical space like cycling and try and make heads or tails of what's going on safety wise. wow that
1: sounds depressing
2: yeah mayor de blasio in new york saw it already and is making comments like yeah maybe we really should mandate helmet use which oh,
1: is just God.
2: you know the worst kind of like victim blaming right. where um you know it's not what is needed to
1: save lives right 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 we need to take a foam hat is not going to protect you against a car going 50 miles an hour i mean i guess it'll protect you a little bit well your head your head but the rest of you is going to be obliterated at 50 miles an hour so i guess they'll just have your head sitting in a jar in a jar and that's your that's what you get for having a helmet we got to tame the cars, yeah, the, you know, yeah, the obvious. Yeah, we got to I mean, tame like, the bull in yeah, the yeah, china I, I mean, shop.
2: As a former bike racer, like I'm, I'm not saying that bike helmets. You know, if you're if you're like in a bike race and you lock wheels with someone at 25 miles an hour and fall down, or you're you're mountain biking in the woods, there's all these ways where you know helmets can can really um, prevent certain kinds of injuries. But you know, I read every day about people getting killed, and you know these are people getting you know rear-ended by cars going 50 side-swiped by dump trucks it's not like having a piece of styrofoam on your head is going to save these these people we have to like deal with the the problems in road design and car design and driver behavior you know tech use that are actually like leading to this major upward swing in people dying mm-hmm. so i'm pissed
4: stay pissed your audio is much more clear when you're right yeah your
1: audio goes better when you're pissed off keep the pissed off level up high peter that's great Uh, (laughs) for audio sake for audio's sake so you the the other article was actual reasons more cyclists are dying on streets you know yeah
2: it was like a it was more like a quantitative analysis of like looking at like what's happened between 2011 and 2019 and it like you know the amount of iPhones owned in the U.S. has gone up like 10 times since 2011. The, you know, in 2011, half of all vehicles sold were cars, and now something like 70% of all vehicles sold are, are trucks and SUVs. You know, oh. but, like all these like quantitative factors that have changed that are leading to people dying.
1: And also, was there, there, it felt like there was a rise of bike usage, that there are more yeah. cyclists on the road and thus a higher volume... Of cyclists dying, did that have any yeah, effect? Yeah, yeah?
2: The NCSB report. You mentioned the 857 number. That's like another acronym agency. That's the um, NHTSA is the um, organization in the government that like tracks how many people get killed on the road every year, whether they're pedestrian or you know on a bike or in a car. And um, you know they, in that report, they specifically talked about how. A, a disproportionate amount of the uh, increase in deaths are urban cyclists and women riding, and and there's to also back up that in the last eight years there has been this explosion in the amount of people riding in the fifty biggest cities in the U.S. That otherwise participation in bike riding is pretty flat, but in big cities people have, you know, especially young people and women have have realized it's a really, you know, great way to get around and connect with your community. And so, yeah, that's part of it, is that, like, not only are more people dying, but it's, like, more casual riders in the city are dying.
1: Hmm. Right, right. (sighs) But there is the positive. I mean, I don't know if you heard the interview earlier with Julie Briskman, who was the woman (laughs) who flipped off Don. Oh, I know.
2: I I missed it, but I just want to say I love her.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, when you hear her talk about the uh, nuts and bolts... Of the district in transportation that she got elected to, yeah, she's she's really talking uh, uh, the gospel, you know, the safe streets gospel. She's talking about transportation, multimodal, multimodal, all that stuff, and um, she, you know, she's talking about the metro that's coming to town soon, and being able to ride her bike to that to get to DC. You know, there, she's only fifty right. miles away, so they'll have a metro link type uh, connection to um her district okay we have a caller here let's uh let's take this call here you're on the air with bike talk and peter flax and don ward and nick richard who is this hopefully not a crank call are you not a crank call oh look at that hi (laughs) mooney what's up hey mooney you got nothing better to do on Friday long, night, Mooney? I know there's something going on in Long Beach. Oh, there's lots. That's why I can't speak <laughs> for very long.
3: Um Peter, we
1: have on the line Mooney, a on-the-ground bike advocate. I think maybe you you guys know each other maybe on Facebook or not. I don't know. Peter? I'm not Mooney, sure. Mooney, Hi. Peter. Yeah. So, um we've been discussing Do you know
4: Peter Flax who's who's written these two articles that we're talking about?
1: No, I don't know him. Oh. <laughs> Well, it's all right. We know each other now. What's the uh, question? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, what's the question? <laughs> We're more discussing than asking you a question. But Mooney, why did you call in? Give us, give us, uh, give us the report from Long Beach. Mooney comes from Long Beach. Mooney was a co-general in the battle to win the Hyperion Bridge.
4: He doesn't like that term.
1: You don't like that term, Mooney? Co-general? Um, I, I'm not fond of it, but um, you can use it. We were using like warlike words when we were fighting that fight for the bridge. You know. Yeah, you were. I was. You were doing it the yeah. I was the you rabble the- rouser. You were you were doing you were a rabble rouser too. But you did it through the <laughs> you did it through the uh the neighborhood council system. We had a two pronged approach. We were doing petitions, business letters in the neighborhood councils and Mooney was in charge of neighborhood councils and was very successful. We just didn't get Atwater... water and uh what's his name sergio lamborghini <laughs> yeah well at is a lost, lost case lost cause as far you guys as I'm were concerned.
4: successful but i thought that the hyperion bridge thing had the the wrong outcome
1: it didn't have we we painted a picture of the ideal <laughs> and we fought for that mm-hmm. versus what people normally do is compromise right out the gate because they don't think they can win of course, we proved that we couldn't win. They still steamrolled us. But we zeroed in on the compromise plan that LACBC had come up with. They kind of kneecapped us a little bit by coming out with this compromise plan. But whatever. You know, it, yeah. when, when it all came down to it, it went to a lawsuit. And they, like they say, you can't fight City Hall. They're going to steamroll you. But we did get concessions. So it's still, it's still a win. right, I, Moon, I, I think it was a win. Well, I
2: think
3: it was a win. Simply because um, we were able to fight that that far, we were able to take it to City Hall. The visibility of of the need for safe bicycling was elevated beyond you know whatever it had gotten before, at least in that particular area. So um, I, I think it was definitely a you know you don't always win, you don't always have to win to win, and um, I think that we made a lot of progress.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. right on. Thank you. Yeah, so Mooney lives in Long Beach. Give us the report in Long Beach. You know, what's... Well... That, that, we always talk about, when we talk about Long Beach, it's sort of like this utopia where they're doing a lot of good stuff for bikes, right?
3: Yeah, I wouldn't call it a utopia, but um, it, by comparison to the city of Los Angeles, um,
4: it's, it's heavenly, yeah. <laughs> Is there any more they can do?
3: Uh, yeah. Um, we don't have enough north-south... Uh, protected bike lanes.
4: Okay,
3: and we could use more northern east-west. We have a we have a couple of east-west southern like from downtown over to Belmont Shore, which are all you know very active areas. But we also need um, east-west, um, you know, viaducts for bicycles that are more north, like above Wardlow and above Pacific Coast Highway. I personally want them to put one on. Pacifico Sideway, which, you know, a protected bike lane. It's wide enough, and um, I think you'll, and, yeah. I mean, the whole length. Oh, whole yeah, length
2: that
4: it. sounds great. That'd be and
3: amazing. And it would be great I mean, I'll, to I'll, take it.
2: I'll, I'll, it would, I'll say that this one of the scariest rides I've ever done in L.A. Um, is the bridge, I've ridden a lot yeah. down near the, the water in, in Long Beach and found, like, all the stuff there. The infrastructure is great. But I did a, a story on ghost bikes where I rode from a metro station to, Uh, Danny Gamboa's house that was like a mile and a half of just like being on a freeway where there was no infrastructure at all to get from a metro station to a like neighborhood that was like a mile away it was all just like truck routes and highways and uh, when I got there I asked him if there was any better route from the metro station to his house and there wasn't which is like someone's assuming that no one would ever think of like walking or (laughs) riding a bike from a metro it, station to a house a mile away
1: it's just insane you, mm. uh, the, is that over by bixby knolls is that station or where is it? That? Was, i
2: think yeah, called station? the del amo station which was, station was what, what it was it? called in, in long beach oh del amo uh, i was on a road oh, well, there wasn't I it was, it was if, like yeah. a highway and there wasn't even a sidewalk it wasn't even like the curbs were like two feet high it was just like there were trucks with light you know Going sixty miles an hour on it, it was. It oh, was Del like,
1: Amo is like an industrial area. I used to work over there. At right. Yeah. It was as shit yeah, yeah, they're not expecting you to take your bike to work there. I guess. <laughs> yeah, there, I guess. <laughs> but it's like it's like just so Yeah, I mean, sh- if if
3: if I, was old, box, I well, for me, I I take the um. There's the the Compton Creek bike lane, and then there's the LA River bike lane you can kind of try to get around that you know those very scary streets by taking the the LA river bike lane if you're familiar where it is and
1: north if you know south it's there. not east west well yeah and that that goes back to me
3: saying we need more east west uh bike lanes uh-huh okay. going across the city
1: do you but get the, the feeling part, mm, go ahead but for the most part, I'm very
3: happy with the bike infrastructure in Long Beach. Uh, of course, it could be more plentiful, but the initiative that the city has taken over the past, I guess, 10, 15 years is quite remarkable for Southern California. And I don't know any other city that has taken such big, big risks like the the protected bike lane on Broadway, which is getting a lot of pushback right now. Oh, yeah. Um, I heard about that. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, some of it is um, understandable. Um but uh, it was a big risk, and they they still took it mm-hmm. and it's still there
1: hm you what yeah. do you think the chances are of it getting reversed
3: um not that likely. only reason why I would say that is because the council the potential council member a guy's gonna run on correcting.
1: Broadway. Oh, really?
3: Yes. But, um, you know, unlike L.A., in L.A., uh, Joe Bieber, is that his name, would have no problem saying we just want to rip the bike lane out. Here, you know, he's, he's fallen all over himself, uh, making sure that you understand that he's not against bicycles. I'm not against bicycles. I'm not against bike lanes. I just think this street could be configured better. And he does have a point. There are some points. The street is a little bit scary now okay. for, Why? Uh, if you're driving a car. Oh, if you're driving uh, a car? If you're driving a car, it is a little bit scary because I've ridden in cars that have been going down Broadway. And the sight lines are not very good. I mean, anyone can walk out or any car can can come out and, you know, there could be um, a collision. But for right now, there's no anti-bike sentiment Mm -hmm. in his in his statement or his rhetoric it's just mm-hmm. this street could be better.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of protected bike lanes, unfortunately do they're, they're not designed to the ideal, something that you'd find in the Netherlands. They are designed in an American way, which is to compromise for car culture and they don't want to take out parking. So the sight lines suck and there's conflict with right turns and blind spots so there's definitely uh issues so that's that's fair of you to say you know that that there are things that could change that would make it better i guess on what what could
3: make it what what could make it enormously better is if there were um signalized uh, signalized in- intersections hmm. more of them okay but of course you know, the city doesn't want to spend on that going back to the amount of money they really want to spend versus right. the Netherlands. Um, so th- everything could really kind of be solved if they just put in more signalized uh, intersections. Interesting. Um, yeah, if, if they're not going to do that, then um, um, I, I, I really don't know. It's a great bike lane. I'm riding on Broadway now. um more, much more than I used to. I used to never because it was kind of like a, a mini freeway. Yeah. And now it's, fa- it's a fantastic way to get from one side of Long Beach, where I live, the west side, all the way over to the east side.
4: Hmm.
3: Um, yeah, it's a, wonderful, it's a wonderful bike lane, protected and, and snuggly. The, really only thing it, the only thing it needs is, um, like I said, more signalized intersections along with uh, uh, protect, uh, protected reds turn right, no right on reds. They need that with a with an arrow, then that's what they need. I see. Okay. Yeah. No.
2: There's, there's, there's bicycle and car conflict.
1: Now, Peter, you're over in Culver City, right? Are you or near Culver
2: City? I live in uh, the the mean streets of Manhattan Beach and work in Santa Monica now. Ah, okay. Okay. So more uh, on, like West Side of the
1: Now, how's Manhattan no, Beach? Nice. Santa Must Monica nice. is is, how's that is probably on par with. Uh, Long Beach in terms of all the uh, infrastructure
2: that That's, they're doing. It's incredible. They actually just released a report this week, the city did, with an analysis of uh, the last 12 months of bike share and electric scooter use. And in just the confines of of Santa Monica, it was something like $2.8 million miles of micromobility replacing i think something like 1.5 million car trips wow and so it's like they're they're really um, creating a great environment that like that uh you know i used to work mid-city and by comparison it's like paradise in santa monica where there's um really good infrastructure latticed all over the all over the community santa, santa really monica. nice place to ride
4: santa monica versus long beach which is well which i has think they
2: like again like i've ridden along um you, you know the i guess the, like the coastal parts of long beach and the infrastructure is um really fantastic and it's a little bit denser than than santa monica so it feels um you know more exceptional in the way that like a a dense city area has has, has done that but like i said i think that there are, are parts of long beach that have fallen through the cracks and I think that all along like coastal Orange County and southern LA that you find that the um, you know more affluent coastal areas have uh, made really good strides um, to have infrastructure and the further inland you go the worse it gets like if you go to like Anaheim um, and those areas it's like a disaster it's still like the 1960s with just you know a never-ending, you know, grid of of four-lane arterials where everyone's driving 50.
1: Mm-hmm. Those are the. Yeah, I, I would have to
3: say that that um, Santa Monica, um, that the more affluent areas seem to have a little bit better, uh, or a lot bit better, bike infrastructure. But I don't think there's a real fair comparison between Long Beach and Santa Monica. Um, you know, San, Long Beach is a real city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 50 square miles, uh, and Santa Monica is like a little boutique.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, like, like comparing a closet to a living room. So, yeah, um, I, I totally
2: I, I agree with that. An though. expensive closet, like a by comparison.
1: Now the other the thing about Long Beach is it's completely isolated content. from anything by. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, you know you, you know I'm to gonna, get down to Long uh, Beach on the seven ten.
3: Oh, oh my god! Part, what are you talking about the seven ten? This is a bike show. I know. And we we push bicycle and we push. push okay, to get to Long Beach, you know what?
1: I I ride to Long Beach. I love that ride. It's far. It the blue line is the oldest rail line. Yes. in in our modern I know, metro system I so I really isolated it's not Isolated all. I like. I like to push Mooney's buttons about Long Beach. <laughs> that one really pisses me off. <laughs> it's not
3: isolated. What's that <laughs> term? Hey, you know what? I, I really shouldn't be defending it. I really don't want people to be moving here
1: and pushing up <laughs> my end. Yeah, we're
4: isolated. There's no uh, way to get here. what? Uh, the what's, blue line sucks. What's the hey, wait a minute. The, the use... blue line
1: did come back online though. So, the blue line did come back. Have you online, taken it? it you were the big blue I line have. preacher. You you, I, uh, you actually do the Hollywood thing. You go on uh, auditions and you work on shoots way on the other side of, you know, Los Angeles County, basically from Long Beach because it's so far. Yeah, I do. And I you were do. doing I, it by I, blue I, line. I'm all that, over. Yeah. And that, I'm, I'm all over LA County. And, and, and the argument always online is like, you know, well, I can't I can't take public transportation because I have to go to this and that all over Los Angeles County. And you were doing it, and uh, no, so I are you coming I back? No, was,
5: I
3: wasn't doing it. I am doing it. You <laughs> are doing it. I'm still it. doing it. You said that I'm you were driving a little bit. I just
1: did it yesterday. Okay. I just did it
3: yesterday. I, I, I took the transit into I mean, this is so ridiculous. You told that me that, that you were driving
1: a little bit. That's why I said that. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is so ridiculous that I have to fess up
3: that I actually, you know, took a train
1: um, to, you
3: know, a historic Filipino town. Well, no, you were I inspirational mean, this, 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 this
1: for that. This is not hard. This is not hard, huh? You were inspirational for that. I mean, you know, you inspired me to take the train even more, even though I live way out in the valley, you know.
4: So. Yeah, talk about the blue yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, talk yeah. Talk about the train.
1: Okay, so you did the new blue line. They they took it offline for nine months and, or, What are you talking about? Nine months? No,
3: no, no, no. That it wasn't a human human pregnancy. This is elephant or a sperm whale. It was eleven, basically eleven months. A sperm whale.
4: You had a lot of time to think about that analogy.
3: January to basically November second.
4: Oh wow! So they went over.
3: What is that? What is that? That's like basically just say a
1: year. Okay, so they were they were. This is how crazy. This is how disrespectful. Los Angeles is, yeah, to our transit is, Metro, they yeah. they would take a whole entire line offline for, uh, they said nine months, but it turned into 11 months, and they replace it with bus trips, and it's just like so disrespectful that they can't so get their act together to make yeah. these repairs. New York goes, you know, one hundred percent at all times they're fixing shit in New York. Why can't we do this and and build, well, build I, don't
3: I, I don't know look i lived in New York. i don't know if New York is the best comparison I mean along with that, you are still you like like riding along you know with with a rat sitting next to you in, in a <laughs> seat
1: so uh the blue line isn't that bad yet um, well, I'm saying in least, terms of no, no rat I'm saying in terms of maintenance of infrastructure Well, New York,
4: yeah. New York has shut down some major. Uh, some, when they do it, nine. it's a
1: big deal. Yeah, they yeah, do they it did. quick. They, they don't do it like for a long well, time. Well, no,
3: though. that's not true. That's not true. The L is down. But 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 that, that's neither here nor there. I don't want to get into trying to compare LA's modern metro system to a legacy system.
1: Okay, yeah, let's not um, go there. But Okay, so they took know, it when, out for when, 11 they've months. They've already done
3: the work to get people dependent
1: on transit. How is it so, now? Have you gone oh, on it now? What's the improvement? The... Um,
3: none. <laughs> what? It's none, nothing that not, you noticed. Not, they not, probably
1: had to do something uh, with the I rails I mean, are you talking something?
3: about operational?
1: Yeah. Operational? Um, like, it, what's, what's new? They were selling all the signs. There's got to be new graphics, mm-hmm. right?
2: Hey, we, got, we got new
1: signs. Okay, um, so they dressed it up a little bit. What did they actually do? Peter, do I, you know?
2: I don't know. I, what, what do you story? mean? I was getting like, flashbacks. I did an interview in North Hollywood and I decided to turn it up there until I Took the green line to the blue line to a bus. Ba- like, it, I like. I seriously, in the end, I could have like unicycled to North Hollywood faster <laughs> than this trip took. And it was the kind of experience that if like a person who wasn't committed to to transit and bikes, they would like never ride transit again. It was just like wow. it was on a bus with like six thousand people on it, and it, it just like at every turn, it was a disaster. And and I, you know, I cringe when I'm reading about things going on at LAX now with how they're trying to reconfigure things in this really, I think, well-intentioned way. And, you know, it's sometimes like the transit situation here, just there's so many missteps that as somebody who wants it to succeed, it's just painful to experience or watch.
4: Uh, why why is this why is it having so many pro- missteps?
2: Uh, that's like um, I, I oh would presume yes. that it's I like don't... a leadership issue that they they um, you know they they on some profound level don't know exactly what they're doing. I mean that was an
1: incredible wh- step. Wh- wh- <laughs> they they're making steps. To, you know what, Mooney? Actually, you yeah. you yeah. convinced me. I was skeptical of the People Mover, the LAX People Mover. I was like, why didn't they make it a train that goes around the horseshoe? like they do in Dallas, just make it a train that has a stop at everything, every uh, terminal around the horseshoe. And you convinced me that the they're, what they're doing is they're going to send a train, I guess it's a people mover, uh, down the middle of the horseshoe. So when you first enter the horseshoe, what's great about that design is that you can now access two terminals, two major sides of the... Airport, you know, right away versus going around the horseshoe in a train where you have to wait. People that go to, you know, uh, something on the far side of the horseshoe would have to wait every stop to get over there. So that's that's a good design. I think I actually am I'm very hopeful of the people mover and it looks like what they did with the Uber and Lyft, uh, sending them to the parking lot is like step one, and then they're going to get to a step right. two. It was like step one to get rid of the departure. Pickups, I guess, is what what they did. They for, brought it to for the Uber and Lyft for Uber to and Lyft.
2: Well, I mean, both taxis and rideshare, which is our two different levels, are out now. And so that's like I've been to the airport a couple times since then, and the volume is noticeably lower. And so it it totally ma- like and when they get the people mover in the new rental car facility, all those dreaded like Avis and Hertz buses, which clog it up down down below, will be gone. Like I. I do believe that, like, in four or five years or whenever they run over on their deadlines and it's done, it, it will be transformational.
1: Okay. Yeah,
2: that's promising. But so I think it's going right. to be, like, a lot of migraines still then.
1: Mooney? Yeah,
2: well,
3: I, I don't understand why. Um, I mean, I I guess, you know, maybe it's my nature, but I'm completely on the opposite of opinion. I think that they should have uh, continued their ride share in the buses going into the airport and all the private cars should have gone to some type of remote location. Hmm, the
1: opposite.
3: I don't understand why there's private cars in there.
1: Still. I, I think don't you get have a, it. I think you have a good point because like if they made it if they gave you a a bus only lane in there, put in a bus only lane all the way around the horseshoe and then have it be paid only, Lyft, Uber, limousines. On other lanes. That's away
3: all of that stuff, hotel shuttles, but have people in the private cars go to a remote section and then have people sh- get shuttled in. If they're going to, and that way you're encouraging people to take the, I don't get this. Yes, that's, that's a great idea. Other thing. I don't understand why you're still encouraging people to drive to the airport because it's, just, it, 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 it's such a culture. Most of this stuff that is, uh, people think is wrong with transit in LA is, 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 is is, is emanating from a cultural impulses. They, they, this is what they believe. There's nothing really wrong with it. It's just that it doesn't act like a car, so therefore it doesn't work. But when you go to legacy uh, systems and, uh, and cities with legacy systems, look, I lived in New York. There's all kinds of things I had to put up with. I had to stand on, on a platform in the middle of January with 25 degrees, <laughs> you know, with snow. With, you know, right. And... and I don't get it. You know, I can't stand at a bus stop because I'm cold or the sun is beating on me. Well, that's just that's the price of riding
4: transit. Well, I think also what it's I thought when out. I
1: when when I what I what I thought when I first heard that they banned Uber and Lyft uh, departures because they're still doing arrivals. I I thought that people would figure out how to beat that system. Like I could see myself ordering a you know going up to the arrivals level and ordering an Uber with an extra stop at LAX and they can come pick me up, you know, or something to defeat that or having, or just people gradually learning that they need to go there by private car and get a ride with somebody versus doing, uh, you know, the, the parking lot and so forth. So I think your idea actually makes more sense where it's all only commercial vehicles can access the horseshoe and everybody in private has to go to the parking lot. And I that, mean, am I the first person to think of this? I think I, this of this is the first I've heard of it. This. Peter, Peter, have you heard of this before?
2: Yeah. I've, I mean, I, I, to me, it's like, I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm also in favor of getting the pri- private cars out of there. But to me, it's like six of one, half a dozen of another, like the data on the amount of rideshare personal vehicles that come into LAX is like a staggering number per day. And it's, kind of the same problem as the personal vehicles. And I've, like, flown, um, you know, where you see, like, groups of people that were, like, say, with the same Hollywood company or the same consulting company. You'll see, like, ten guys get off a flight at LAX, and they'll all walk out to the car, and all ten of them will pull out their phones, and each one of them will order their own Uber to go home from the airport. And there's, like, all these, like, systemic problems that, you know, need need solving. And so it's like anything to pull any, like I, I, I think that having, you know, the vans and the shuttles and the buses makes a lot more sense. But like all the personal vehicles where there's like one or two people in them is just like at this point, LA is the most crowded airport in the US in terms of the number of people that like actually go in and out of the airport, like Atlanta and O'Hare still have more air traffic, but most of those people are just, like, connecting and never departing out out to the car area. But LAX is the busiest airport in the country, and they just need all those personal cars out of there. Uh Like, I I just think... So has anybody... Is this... This was
1: never on the table? This is the first time this has been thought of? Was this ever on the table that people could take a vote on it, or...?
2: I'm not aware of there being a vote on it. It's like, um, the... Management of the airport authority is like kind of part private, part public. And I don't I don't
1: okay, so think there was like decision. a lot
2: of public conversation about how it was going to work. And I think that they're thinking that moving rideshare and taxis out of there is like a good first step, a kind of experiment to see how it goes. And it is like, I think something like 40% of the volume to the airport is, is with this rideshare and taxi. So it's a lot of volume. Being taken out. That normally, when you think about traffic jams anywhere, that if you can make like twenty or thirty percent of the vehicles go away, like traffic goes away. But you know what? Take when, that much.
1: When I saw the photo, a friend of mine shared the photo. He was—I don't even think he was a transportation anybody. He was just like showed a photo of these huge lines in a parking lot that they had gotten onto apparently some kind of uh, shuttle to get to this parking lot right. to get on an Uber. And so they get to pack their bags onto a shuttle. Then they get dropped off. Then they're in another line. They're in a line at the horseshoe. Then they're in a line at the parking lot. You're teaching people to get a private trip into or or out of the airport, into and right. out of the airport, yeah. because you're reducing the volumes. And people go, "Well, look, there's not a lot of car traffic. It actually makes more sense to just yeah, drive no, in here." Yeah, no, it's
2: totally the hack that that affluent people are just going to like figure out a way for like a friend or a family member or somebody to drive them can get around that. And at least in the short term, it's a good fix. And due to the magic of induced demand, it may just lead to there being, you know, more, more traffic as, as like thousands of people try that same half.
1: Right. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. But, uh, Mooney, your idea is great. Um, it's awesome that you called in and now this idea is out there. This seems like well, well, but it's too
3: late, isn't it? Uh, I mean, no, I don't think it's too late. I think remote. you can
1: always advocate for a change. I think you can. You yeah, totally I, do.
3: I, I I think we've already kind of like moved the rideshare and all that stuff over into a remote lot, and um, I think you, I think now you you, it didn't it didn't uh, from what I'm reading, it didn't um, uh, get off to a good foot right to a good start, and. Um, I think now, if you say, "Hey, uh, we want private cars now to actually do this same model or go through the same," I, I think you'll have a, a revolt because you already showed that that doing that is just going to be uh, a disaster. I think it should have been the what you did initially, and right. then worked, and, and then worked to like improve it if it wasn't working out. But I think now. Um, I think you've given given people a license to drive, even more people to drive to the airport, which then undercuts the very idea of having a people mover and a train that you goes know, to the airport. To actually,
1: yeah, the thing is, is if we if you if it went back to the Uber uh, pickup from departures, that would just get filled up with traffic. So it's like Peter says, it's like you got to get all of the single passenger type cars out of there and just make it bus and shuttle and people mover?
3: Well, well, I mean, uh, you say a single passenger, but everybody that I know um, and everyone I know is, you know, broke. So everybody that I know takes pool. So it's a very, very, very high percentage that many people are going to be multiple people in one car, especially going to the airport.
1: Okay. Okay.
3: Nobody, like, does, you know, Uber Luxury. Like, everybody takes pull. Everybody gets mad because it stops and picks up other people. Okay. And the driver has to remind them that it's pool. But everybody takes it because you see that, that price, that significant price drop. Okay. So, the, I think it's highly likely that you're going to have multiple people going to the airport in one car. So that's why, you know, we do what you want. But I, I just don't understand why there's still private cars going into
1: the airport. Okay. that That's... Great point, Mooney. Thanks for calling in. And uh, welcome. Yeah, sharing that. We we have thanks. Mooney on from time to time, and he's been in this. You've been in the studio actually. You volunteered, so yeah, thanks. Thank you,
3: Mooney. Well, nice talking to everyone, and I Good hope you, everyone, everyone has nice a great evening.
2: evening. an uh, Image of a sperm whale's gestation in my head for some nah. time now.
1: Mooney will do that to you. <laughs> all right, all right. Take care, Mooney. <clears throat> That's a real Long Bye. Beach image. <laughs> that was that was uh my good friend Matthew Mooney, so I so want Peter to, Flax. we want to thank Peter Flax for uh being with us. He wrote two great articles on uh yeah. I think he's still with us, yeah Peter yeah, I'm I here. know he's still there I don't think I've ever met you in person, but uh no. it's always great to read your writing and um thanks for being a voice, a reasonable voice, and a passionate voice for
4: on the West side
1: well, really Los Angeles and beyond so Thank you, Peter.
2: Yeah, well, I appreciate your advocacy also, guys. So, uh, let's talk soon. Take care. Okay, cheers, guys. Bye.
4: Can I let you know, give you a heads up about something that. Yeah, uh, give us
1: a heads up, a quick news, and then we're going to get that out of here. Safe
4: streets for all, and Alexander Todd's Hollywood bicycle ambassador are brought to my attention. Okay. That uh, So, there's this street, Yucca Street. It's LA's first official bicycle friendly street. Yeah. And it oh. has a diverter that allows cyclists to pass through while diverting cars and making the street right. low stress. And it's under attack. They want to remove the diverter. And so there's a meeting in Hollywood at the library, the Durant, the Will and Ariel Durant Branch Library, Hollywood Hills West Neighborhood Council meeting. Okay. Wednesday, November 20th, 6 p.m. Safe Streets for All and Alexander want to ask people to come and speak against removing the diverter.
1: We should go to that. Um, I remember Yucca from when I was a kid skateboarding on that street um, I remember that even back then cars were, it was, there's a lot of encouragement for speed on that street. I don't know why, cause it is kind of dense and windy, um, from Koanga, but it's a shortcut. Uh, when they put in that median years later, like maybe only five years ago, they made that street safe again and not a cut through. And there's like mm-hmm. apartment buildings, there's clubs, there's liquor stores, there's all kinds of stuff on that street that really should be protected from speeding cut through traffic so okay good gotta go to that meeting 6 p.m wednesday hollywood library hollywood library Uh, uh, it's the uh, november 20th yeah hollywood library
4: it's the um, hollywood hills west neighborhood council meeting
1: okay 6 p.m we gotta go let's go all right sounds good Uh, what else anything else that was it that's it okay so that was our show nick thanks for sharing your story that's just incredible to me that people would. I mean, you're a family on a bike. Anyways, we want to, yeah. we want to keep it on the on the up and up as we leave here. We want to keep a. Let's see what what's going on this weekend, real quick. Renegade Riders, which is led by Leah Elizabeth, who was Jenny Girl and is a wizard with her sound bike and equipment, and it has a full DJ setup on her bike. Saturday, nine thirty. It meets at Vermont and Hollywood at the Ride Aid, Renegade Riders, and it's basically music bike. Cool. It's incredible to see because there's a light show and it's really professionally done music bike. She's an incredible engineer and craftsperson. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
4: She, she was with another ride?
1: She used to lead um, the West Side Mosey a long time ago, participant in Crank Mob. There's a lot of party rides out there, but this one is bringing back. Riders on the east side, so uh, yeah. So, anyways, this was bike talk. That was great. Guests Pitch were up. awesome Julie Briskman, you know, Carlos Mooney, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Peter Flax. We leave you with the mm-hmm. consummate bike talk I, 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 middle finger. Day. It's all about middle fingers. am
2: on my way. The transportation shows I care. Every turn of the pedal
3: cleans the air. In the green, I'm saving the planet, just like my friends Daryl, Sean, Toby, and Janet. No greenhouse gas, a tiny carbon footprint
5: up uh, your no ass. Gas. I'm on a motherfucking bike. I'm on a motherfucking fucking life.
4: Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is Bike Talk PFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group.